Love that banjo, don't you? Man, wow. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for Jesus Christ. He's the answer for sinners today. Lord, I'm a sinner saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. There are others in this place that could testify to the same thing. Lord, your word says that we're all sinners. There's only one hope for those who are sinners today. It's Jesus and what he did on the cross. As no one has to walk out of this building today still lost in their sins. Touch our hearts, Lord. Draw us to Jesus, we pray. And it's in your name. Amen. Years ago, wealthy ladies were proud of oak floors that they had in their mansions. And at least once a week, they would have the servants wet rub these floors to make the floor shiny. It was a difficult task, a hard task. It involved running a wet mop along the grain of the wood. Anybody know what the grain of the wood is? You know, you know what that term? Okay. And then after they got done with the wet mopping, they had to take a dry mop and, and go over the same area. But sometimes, as servants are, you all have servants, you know, <laughs> they would mop across the grain. And it would produce streaks on the floor, and they'd pull, the ladies would pull their hair out. And when that happened, the lady of the house would scold them for rubbing the floor the wrong way. And it's from that practice where we get our phrase, to rub someone the wrong way. Now this morning, I don't want to show you how to rub someone the wrong way, because you probably already know how to do that, don't you? No show of hands. I'm very good at rubbing someone the wrong way. No, I want to show you how you can rub someone the right way. And there's one foolproof, guaranteed way to rub someone the right way. Works anytime, works any place, and it works on anybody. It's called encouragement. The dictionary defines encouragement as the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. Support, confidence, or hope. Now sadly, because of our sin nature that we've been made aware of by the band, we're more prone to tear each other down through something called discouragement rather than to support and bring hope to each other through encouragement. There's an old American folk song, and I know I'm dating myself. There are a few of you that may know this. Home on the Range. Anybody know Home on the Range? Wow. A lot of old people here. The first stanza goes like this. Oh, give me a home where the... Where the... And the... Hey, this is wonderful. Where seldom is heard... And the skies are not cloudy all day. 
kind of makes you want to move to big sky country. Does anybody know which state is known as big sky country? Man, you guys are with it today. Sharp bunch. Montana. I hear it's a beautiful place. Never been there. But even if you moved there, you would still face discouragement. You see, there were two buffaloes out grazing on the Montana range. And a cowboy rides up on his horse and he looks at those two buffaloes and he says this. He said, you know, you're the ugliest critters on planet Earth. You stink to high heaven. You got little beady eyes and, and you've got this hump on your back that is so gross. And if I'd have brought my rifle with me today, I'd just push you out of your misery, blow you to kingdom come. Takes his horse, turns it, and rides off. The buffalo look at each other. One buffalo says this to the other buffalo. I believe we've heard a discouraging word. <laughs> You're the best group of people to preach to. The sad fact is, we've all heard some discouraging words in our lives. These words may have come from our parents. You may have had a teacher or coach that gave you some discouraging words. Could have been a close friend, or, or it may have even been your spouse who spoke some of those words to you. And I believe I can say that we've all heard those discouraging words of some type and in some way. And we know the hurt those words caused us. Some of us still carry the pain after many years. In our world today, there's no place that doesn't need encouragement and encouraging words. We need them in our homes. We need them in our workplaces. We need them in our schools, in our government. And for sure, my friends, we need them in our churches. And this morning, we're going to look at a man who was an encourager. And by looking at him, we hope to learn how we can rub people the right way with this thing called encouragement. First of all, we can rub people the right way when we bring blessings to others. When we bring blessings to others. In Acts chapter 4, we're first introduced to this man by the name of Barnabas. I'm waiting for a discouraging word. <laughs> Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus whom the apostles called Barnabas, read it with me, which means son of encouragement. Now when this baby was born, he was given the name Joseph, and he grew up as a man 
known as Joseph. However, the early church gave him this, what we would consider maybe a nickname. The nickname of Barnabas, which literally means son of encouragement. And as we'll come to see, this nickname truly fit the man. You know, we all probably know some people who we'd rather not see coming down the, the aisle at Shop and Save or rub, run into them at the sporting goods area in Walmart because they are not, underline not, sons or daughters of encouragement. They're just the opposite. I believe the first century Christians love to see this man Barnabas coming their way because he was one that they could count on for encouragement and encouraging words. The Bible lets us know that Barnabas was a generous man. And one of the things that stood out about his encouragement was that he put his money where his mouth was. Encouragement wasn't just something that he preached, but something that he practiced. Here's a question for you. Are you good at practicing what you preach? Moms and dads, boss, husbands, wives, how good are you at practicing what you preach? So Barnabas, he sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. The church in the book of Acts was made up of many poor people. See, it happened quite often that when a person came to Christ in that culture, they would lose their jobs because of their Christian witness. Barnabas knew that there were many believers in Jerusalem who had their backs against the wall financially. Being the encourager that he was, he took a piece of property he owned, he sold it, he put it on the market with Trisha Sisk. <laughs> she can sell it, man. And he gave the proceeds to the apostles to help meet the needs of those people who were suffering. I believe this teaches us that an encourager sees a need and then he or she says to themselves, I'm going to give what I can, I'm going to do what I can to meet that need and be an encouragement to this person. Don't get the idea that you have to be wealthy to be an encourager. that was the case, most of us would say, well, I'm off the hook. You may not be rich in money in this place or, or rich in land, but every one of us here, every one of us here has something we can give to others as a gift of encouragement. Could be a simple act of kindness. Could be some special words spoken at just the right time for that person. I don't know if you're like me, but I love to read stories. 
about how one person's simple act of kindness blessed another person's life. Hold the slides, because I, I wanted to say this. I saw something on the news the other night. This wasn't in my message. About a lady who has actually given 25,000 birthday parties. Many years ago, she somehow found out about a child that was a friend of her child and said, I'd never had a birthday party. And I don't know if they're Christians or what, but God has orchestrated, I believe, this thing where now they have had 25,000 birthday parties for needy children. Wow. Blessing another person's life. Give me a screen. You see, encouragement can be with words or deeds. Either way, words or deeds, or both, an encourager is a selfless person who's always trying to think how to make somebody else better, bless them, or help them, or strengthen somebody else. They're always thinking of other people and how they can bring a blessing to them. And if we want to rub people the right way, then like this guy Barnabas, we must bring blessings to others. The second trait we see in the life of Barnabas in the book of Acts is that he was a person who breaks down barriers with others. Barnabas played a major role in the legacy of the early church and in the life of the greatest apostle who ever lived, which was the Apostle Paul. And we're going to see how Barnabas broke down the barriers Paul had with others by how Barnabas stood up for Paul. In referring to Paul, we read this. This is referring to Paul. So we could say, when Paul came to Jerusalem... He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Now, to understand why they were afraid of Paul, you've got to back up a little bit and what, read what was said about Paul in his earlier life when he was still called. Anybody know? Saul. Very good. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out what kind of threats? murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Mean dude he was. Saul had a supernatural encounter with Jesus Christ while he was on his way to Damascus, Syria to fulfill these murderous threats against the followers of Jesus. And our story that we're focusing on with Barnabas takes place three years after. Paul had this, what we call, the Damascus Road experience. Paul had gone into seclusion in Arabia to, to study and to learn more about Jesus and, and to grow in his faith. So he'd been off the scene for three years. But now he's back in the capital city of Jerusalem. And that was a terrifying prospect for the followers of Jesus. And word had quickly spread among the Christians that their number one enemy was back in town. 
At that time, the church considered Saul the most dangerous man in the world. The Message Bible translates Luke 9.26 this way. Back in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And read this line with me. They didn't trust him one bit. Now, the Greek language, the original language that this was written in, indicates that Paul tried not just once, but time after time after time to be accepted into the early church and to win the approval of the disciples. He wanted them to know that, hey, I'm not the old Saul. I'm a new man, and I've been changed by Jesus Christ. Paul would later write about how Jesus would change all of us if we came to him in faith believing just as Paul had done. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes this famous passage. Read it with me, please. Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. See, I believe this is a gauge for whether you are a new creation in Christ. Has the old way of living, your Saul ways, disappeared? Has a new way of living come into existence in your life? Only you and the Lord can answer that. But the disciples didn't trust Paul one bit. And they had put up this barrier. Not a physical barrier, but it was an emotional, spiritual barrier. They had built a wall of fear and disapproval that Paul, try as he might, he couldn't penetrate it. Now, fortunately for Paul, God had one man that he could use. You know who it is, don't you? Then Barnabas came to his help and took him to the apostles. He explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had spoken to him. He also told them how boldly Saul had preached in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Everyone, Peter, John, Andrew, all of them had built up barriers around Paul. But then God used this man, Barnabas, to break down those barriers. Barnabas came to his help, and he stood up for him when no one else would. I believe that is one of the marks of a genuine encourager. He or she will champion the needs of the underdog no matter how high the barriers. Barnabas championed the need Paul had. And he risked his position. And he had a prominent position. He risked that position in the early church by standing up for someone that they didn't trust one bit. And he never brought up Paul's past. He never made mention of his mistakes. 
He didn't say, I know he was a tyrant. I know he was a blasphemer. I know he tried to destroy the church. And I know, in fact, that he put many of you in prison. No, Barnabas was an encourager. And encouragers don't look to the past. They look to the future. Repeat that. Encouragers don't look to the past. They look to the future. Barnabas didn't look at what Paul had done in his past. He looked at what Paul could do in the future. And he said, in effect, don't look at the man for what he was. Look at the man for what he is today and what he will be for Jesus tomorrow. Oh, we got to get that in our hearts if we want to be encouragers. I heard about a 10-year-old boy named Ronnie who wanted to be an encourager. And he came up to his pastor after the church service, and he said, Pastor, when I grow up, I'm just going to work hard. I'm going to make a lot of money. And when I do, I'm going to give you some of that money. And of course, the pastor was moved, and he said, Ronnie, that's so kind of you, and, and it's so generous, but why are you going to give me some of your money? Ronnie said, because my dad says you're the poorest preacher we ever had. <laughs> Ronnie's little heart was right, in the right place. When people come to church, the last thing they ought to find are barriers going up. They should find barriers coming down. In the church of Jesus Christ, we ought to tear down the barriers of race and discrimination. Can I hear an amen? In the church of Jesus Christ, we should tear down the barriers of class and elitism. Amen. In the church of Jesus Christ, we ought to tear down the barriers of hypocrisy and phoniness. Been in a lot of churches like that. In the church of Jesus Christ, we ought to tear down the past failures of sin. We ought to offer all people a promise of acceptance through the forgiveness and the love of God and what he did on the cross through his son, Jesus Christ. You see, encouragers do this. They stand up for God-given rights of others. And they try to break down the barriers that would keep them from receiving those blessings. Let's don't be a church like that. Amen? Barnabas not only desired to bring blessings to others, and he desired to break barriers down with others. If we're going to be like Barnabas and rub people the right way, we must be people who build bridges with others. The disadvantage of a beard sometimes. In Acts 15 we come to what may be the greatest example of encouragement by Barnabas. Long passage. 
Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord, see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. In this passage, we see the strong disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Concerning a man, a young man, probably no more than his early 20s, who was named John Mark. And what has happened is that Paul, Barnabas, and Mark had gone on their first missionary journey, the first missionary journey of the new church of Jesus Christ. And they had gone together, and for some reason, Mark had deserted them. And the Bible doesn't tell us the reason why. And maybe he was just homesick. But for whatever reason, he quit. He quit. And because of that, Paul was basically washing his hands of him. And he was saying, that guy's never going to go with me again. Just mark it down, Barnabas. And Barnabas disagreed with Paul. And we get the sense that Barnabas didn't focus on Mark's problem, but he focused on Mark's potential. Barnabas believed in Mark so much that he was willing to part company with Paul in order to take Mark with him. And I think the irony of this is so interesting. Barnabas wouldn't quit on Paul earlier. And yet Paul now was ready to quit on Mark. Barnabas had demonstrated faith in Paul. We've seen that. When no one else would. But now Paul wasn't willing to demonstrate that same type of faith in John Mark. Do you know what John Mark needed? He needed what we all need. In our life, there have been times we needed a bridge builder. We needed encouragement. John Mark needed somebody to believe in him and not criticize him. Charles Schwab, famous businessman, still alive, 80-some years old, worth about, what was it, $8 billion, something like that? He did pretty good for himself. He, read, he wrote this. I have yet to find a man who did not do better work and put forth greater effort under a spirit of approval than under a spirit of criticism. I think it works in the home too, parents. One of the great injustices among average Sunday morning church-going people. It's what most of you are. 
is they may know someone who's done a hundred things right in their life when they've done one thing wrong. It's kind of a public thing. People know about it. And what happens is those Sunday morning church-going people will remember not the hundred things that person did right. They'll remember the one thing the person did wrong. Not only won't they forget it, they won't let the person forget it either. And I am grateful and thankful that the Lord doesn't deal with me. You can put your name in there too if you'd like. But he doesn't deal with me according to those same standards of criticism. Where would I be if God hadn't given me a second and a third and a fourth, and for that matter, a thousand do-overs in my life when I've stumbled and failed? Barnabas wasn't one of your average church-going people. And he set the bar high as an example for what we should aim for today some 2,000 years later. Barnabas not only had an impact on those people around him in the early church, but he's had and he will continue to have an impact on those who've come after him that claim Jesus as Lord and Savior. Just think about what would have happened if Barnabas hadn't encouraged and stood up for Paul. We may not have in our Bibles the 13 books in the New Testament that were written by Paul. They may not be there. Had Barnabas failed to encourage Paul, the church may have lost its greatest apostle and missionary. Had Barnabas not have encouraged Mark and stuck by him when everybody else was leaving him and Paul wanted to leave him behind, we may not have the gospel that bears his name, which is that. The gospel of... You were really sharp a while ago. I know we've got some basketball guys in this place. Love college basketball. And in my mind, the greatest coach of any team in any sport was John Wooden. In fact, ESPN, yeah, there we go. ESPN and Sports Illustrated voted John Wooden as the greatest coach of the 20th century. A hundred years of coaches in all sports, these two elite sport organizations said he was the greatest coach of them all. Wooden coached the UCLA Bruins to 10 men's Division I NCAA championships in 12 seasons. Now we can't, that's 10 out of 12. Beat Kentucky a lot of times in that. 
That's your chance to get Pastor Damon. He's a Kentucky fan. Come on. Took Kentucky out many a year. And during that incredible run, UCLA had this. Get this. 335 wins and 22 losses in 12 years. Quite a record. I don't think we'll ever see it matched. Wooden was a master motivator. He was a basketball genius. But more than that, and I don't know that you know this, he was a committed follower of Jesus. He instructed his players that whenever a basket was made, the player who made the basket was required to to give a head nod or point or in some way acknowledge the player who had passed the ball to the one who had made the basket. Once in an early season, uh, gym time, the practice time, Coach Wooden was giving these instructions to one of his teams. And one of the new players on the team said, but coach, what if they're not looking? Coach Wooden said, I guarantee you, he'll be looking. See, John Wooden was right, because everyone is looking for affirmation and encouragement. Everyone, whether you play basketball or not. And Paul personally knew the power of encouragement at the hands of one of the master encouragers, Barnabas. And because Paul had that experience with Barnabas, he could write this to coach us today. Paul, the coach, says to us, read it with me, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Not optional. Encourage one another. I want to be a 21st century Barnabas. I don't want to be known as someone that discourages people, but someone that encourages them. Have I done that in my life all the time? No. In fact, as I drove home from church last Sunday, I got a 45-minute drive, and so I have some time to reflect on things. And the Lord kind of brought to my spirit, I didn't hear an audible voice, I just kind of felt in my heart, that I had missed an opportunity that morning to encourage one of the young men here at Faith Fellowship. And I felt bad about that. And I was sorry. And while I was driving, I asked the Lord to forgive me. And I asked Him, Lord, help me not to miss those encouragement moments and opportunities that you bring my way in the future. I don't want to miss them, Lord. The greatest example of Barnabas, the great example, excuse me, teaches us that if we want to rub people the right way, we must be people who bring blessings to others. We must be people who break down barriers with others. 
And we must be people who build bridges for others. Let's do it, Faith Fellowship. Lord, we thank you today that we can go back in time some 2,000 years and look at a man named Barnabas. Had a nickname, Barnabas, son of encouragement. And Lord, he has given us much to think about this morning. And Lord, I know that I have not been a 21st century Barnabas. I have missed so many opportunities to be an encouragement to others, to give an encouraging word. And Lord, for that I am sorry. And maybe there's someone else in this building that you're speaking to right now and you're telling them, you know, you've missed a few chances too. But today, Lord, we can turn over a new leaf, so to speak. And we can say, Lord, if you will show me and you will give me opportunity, I will be an encouragement to my family, to my spouse, to my coworkers, to my employees, to my students, to my teachers, to my pastors, to my friends at Faith Fellowship. Lord, we'll be a different church if that happens. And when people come in that don't know anything about us, and they're a little bit apprehensive, and they're a little bit anxious about visiting a new church. Lord, if there could be one thing said about us, let it be said that that church is a warm, inviting, and encouraging church. We pray you'll do that in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you need prayer for any reason this morning, we have prayer teams on both sides. God bless you.